Hello and welcome to The Shepherd's Voice, the podcast of Catoctin Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Purcellville, Virginia. My name is Pastor Charles Biggs, and I am here with Pastor Ben Franks. Good morning. Good morning, Ben. Our question today continues to unpack the Apostles' Creed from the Heidelberg Catechism. And today we want to look at uh, the topic of God's providence. Having considered the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, having considered uh, the fatherhood of God in Christ, particularly in our last episode, uh, today we want to talk further about providence and um, how it's particularly pastorally applicable, very useful and helpful in our thinking of God in His upholding and governing all things for His glory and our good. Yes. Yeah, well, as we talk, come to Lord's Day 10 and think about God's providence, um, we have two questions in front of us, 27 and 28, and together they just they just capture so much of what I love about the Heidelberg Catechism. I think that draws out the strengths of it. Um, and, and 27 is very much uh, dealing with what do we mean by providence? How do, how do you understand the providence of God? And the way that the catechism answers it is is poetic and beautiful. We'll get there just a minute, and that's that's one of the strengths. And then question twenty eight, where I'd like us to spend some time, especially this morning, is how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? And and it just gives some really practical, pastoral, helpful things. So let me read. Um, I'll I'll start with question twenty seven, and and then we'll move on to twenty eight uh, after that. So. Question 27 asks, well, what do you understand by the providence of God? We've just talked about, you know, God is Father, He's made all things, He governs all things, so what do we understand by that? And here's the answer that we read. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which He upholds, as with His hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them, that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. That is just a beautiful description of God's providence. Um, and it's rooted, uh, as, as we can see, in what we talked about last time, that confession um, that I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It's, it's that recognition that the one who has made all things is also our Father that changes um, our understanding of providence. And th- this is so important. Um, you can see how this biblical understanding of providence is guarding against a lot of the, 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 the mistakes that people can fall into. You know, it's very common... Um, at the time of our country's founding, you know, the Enlightenment, to talk about providence. And, and for some of our founding fathers, that was kind of the favorite way to talk about God. But providence in that context was often used as a way of kind of giving a nod to the divine, but also keeping him at an appropriate distance, right? Well, God is the one who made things, and he's maybe even the one who, who upholds things in a general sense. He's established these laws of nature, and he keeps, you know, the earth from flinging into the sun or something like that. We're grateful, but, um, but we can kind of leave God out of it beyond that, and that is not the biblical picture uh, of, of God. You know, you can see this the, the the story of Jonah is one of those stories that I think captures so much of this so well that God is working out his 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 purposes of redemption and uh, Jonah who should have known better is a prophet of God 
but thinks that he can somehow kind of exempt himself from God's plan by just leaving God's people, you know. Uh, and so he, he, he leaves Israel, he goes out to the sea, and God shows he's sovereign over the boat Jonah gets on, he's sovereign over the storm that comes, he's sovereign over the fish that eats him, he's sovereign later over the plant that springs up and the, the worm that eats it, and, you know, all of these things. And he's just showing Jonah again and again, I'm the Almighty One. Um, and and I'm involved in my creation. And of course, this is something that comes out through the Gospels when we see uh, God as man, the God-man, living life in this world. Is uh, he is as as a man, he's partaking in that creation, and yet as God, he is sovereign over all creation. And you get that uh, in his healing, in his miracles. Um, leading up to, we just celebrated Easter not too long ago, and you know we read those stories and. One of the things that comes out is, you know, Jesus just shows he knows what's going to happen, and he's sovereign over all things. You're going to find a man. You're going to have this conversation. There's going to be a donkey at this place. You know, we're, we're seeing once again that, as the Catechism puts it so poetically, you know, every leaf and, and blade, every, every bit of rain or sunshine, you know, everything you experience, the normal, ordinary, mundane things, uh, didn't just happen by chance. They didn't just develop... Um, as a result of, you know, unguided forces or of mere human, you know, planning or endeavor. God is the one who is at work. It takes us right back to a passage that uh, I think you mentioned in our last episode of uh, Colossians 1, you know, that uh, God, the Father in Christ, is upholding all things, Hol- and actually not just upholding, but holding all things together, reconciling all things to himself. And that's at the heart of what we believe when we talk about God's providence. It's not just a disconnected sense that there's this divine mover philosophically in the background, but that there's a God who's present, a God who is with us, a God who is at work in all things. And and it's it's rooted again, what, what, what makes this a comforting doctrine rather than a terrifying doctrine. Because you could say there's this divine being who has absolute power right. controlling everything. Yes. And it sounds like a dystopian novel. Um, but what makes this a, a, a note of comfort is that this God is our Father. The hand is a hand of perfect almighty power, but it's the hand of our almighty Father. Uh, and, and, and we can all, you know, we, we, we get echoes of that, don't we, you know, in our experience that you can imagine as a, as a child being faced with a strong man, and it could be something very frightening. You know, because he can overpower you. But if that strong man is your father, then not only do you not fear him, but you don't fear anything else either, because you have your strong father with you. And that's what we confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, who has made heaven and earth. And so that's the what, what question 27 wants us to, to meditate on, that every aspect of our life, down to the smallest detail, is, is coming from the hand of our Father, which takes this this belief in God's providence or His sovereignty, as we'll often talk about it, and it's not a problem to be solved. Sometimes we, we kind of come at it this way of, well, you know, we jump to the philosophical conundrums of, well, if God is sovereign, then what does that mean for human will and freedom and responsibility? And, and the Bible speaks to those things. It's very clear that man is responsible. We do make choices. We do have actions, and God holds us accountable for that. But none of our actions are catching God off guard or frustrating his plans. He doesn't have to go back to the drawing board at any point. He's sovereign over all things. And the Bible doesn't say, here's how all of that works itself out. 
we don't need to know the answer to that question. But it, it stresses for us our responsibility, but a responsibility that is under that broader uh, recognition of God's sovereignty. And that sovereignty is not something that turns us into robots. It's not something that destroys our humanity. It's something that grounds not as our humanity, but our redemption, our, our being part of that family of God. Which is why I, I love the way that question 28 takes this a step further to not only understand what we confess theologically in professing this belief in the providence of God, but it asks the question, how does that knowledge, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? And, and I just, I love this, this question. It says, well, we can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from his love. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved, which is exactly what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? That uh, it's, it's, every, it's every bird, it's every flower, it's every hair from the head. That's the kind of care that we have, but it's not this dictator, it's our father, it's our daddy that has that power. And uh, the, the way that this is brought together as helpful. This is something that we can actually memorize, right, and think about and carry with us. As you go through your day and something doesn't go the way you want it to, to go or something just goes really well, you know, you have those days where you, you lay down at night and you just think, that was a great day. You know, I'm just, what should, how should we respond? Or when we're lying in bed at night, maybe at 3 a.m. and we're looking ahead and we're not sure, is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a bad day? What's going to happen? Well, here's how we can pull that together. God's providence teaches us to be patient, to be thankful, and to be confident, Amen. right? So that patience is there when things go against us, mm-hmm. when the meeting didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, when you look at your to-do list and none of that happened in your day, when you receive difficult news, uh, when you're just fighting against the circumstances of this world or, or, or the struggles of, of your own flesh and you're feeling just defeated, and you think, is God against me? Is his hand against me? You know, the psalmist is there so many times. Um, And why have you forsaken me, right? It's a Psalm 22. But God's providence and his creation teaches us that we can be patient, because we know that everything we've experienced, every frustration, every interruption, every distraction, is not something that's coming um, contrary to his will. He's allowing it. And he does it for different reasons, right? Uh, what we don't want to do, and the Bible is careful to guard us against this, is to think that, oh, well, if God is sovereign, then that must mean he's to blame for sin, right? If, if everything comes from his hand, then then sin comes from his hand. Well, James deals with that, doesn't he, in, in James chapter 1 and, and 2, that he, he says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Nothing happens outside of the Father's hand. Sin comes from within us. But God will allow us to experience temptations and even trials and even feel the effect and weight of our sin because of his fatherly care for us. So we don't, we're not blaming God for those things, but we're recognizing that even in the worst of things, God is still at work, um, and God's purposes and plans are still being carried out. It's not saying that evil things in the sense of our sin is something that God forces to happen. Again, we're never unwilling participants in sin. The sin is coming from within us. But even our sin is not thwarting or frustrating God's plan. He uses even those, even those things. Much like a, a good parent will use the sin or rebellion of their child as a teaching moment 
to say, let me help you to understand your heart. Let me help you to understand your Father's heart, you know, your Heavenly Father as well. God does that with us, and we see it again and again. And so we can be patient, um, even in the face of sin, certainly in the face of suffering. Everything that goes against us, we can be patient in. We can be thankful when things go well, that when something unfolds as we want it to, it's not because we planned it really well or we executed it perfectly. It's because of our Father's hand, that He's the one who guided and governed these things. And that's so important because so often when things go against us, we're tempted to despair. When things go for us, we're tempted to pride. And neither of those are appropriate for the Christian, for the child of God, Patience and thankfulness are the, are the postures that we feel right now in the present. And then I love the way it speaks to the future because so often, and it, maybe especially in our age, we are maybe the most anxious age that has ever been, which is ironic because in, in, in so many ways, when you look at kind of the, the measurements of health or, or um, security, you know, we're in one of the most secure ages, but some of the most insecure people. And the reason for that is because the, the crisis of security is not really about us having more control. Actually, the more control that we have, the less secure we feel. This is why dictators are invariably paranoid people. Even though they have more power than anyone else around them, they're constantly afraid of it slipping out of their grasp because they know down deep they're mere men, and they know they're going to die, and they're worried about how it's going to happen. But fr- freedom comes not in having more control, but in, in relinquishing that control into the hand of the one who is God, who, who never dies, who is our Father Almighty in heaven. And so as we look at the future, it's not with fear, it's not with control, it's not with conniving. We don't have to try to manipulate um, what will happen. We can have confidence, not in ourselves, but in God, knowing that, as, as the Catechism puts it here, nothing will separate us from his love, drawing on Romans 8. That's that's the confidence. There's therefore now no condemnation in Christ. He is our Father. The Spirit teaches us to cry, Abba, Father. God is for me. Who can be against me? Amen. That's where it leads us to. Amen. And that's that's the, 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 the biblical understanding of God's providence and the biblical application of it for Amen. us. Amen. Amen. There, there were two scriptures that came to mind as you were very pastorally um, helping us um, uh, with that glorious doctrine of providence just then. Um, it particularly ministered to me, brother, because I was just thinking about something, uh, an oversight or over uh, something I overlooked this, just this morning uh, that I know, uh, you know, that you know, that uh, we, we can trust the Lord to give us comfort in that. But two scriptures came to mind. Hebrews 6, 12, it says that, uh, to be, that we want to be imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the promise. So faith and patience, that's that confidence and that patience, especially in you know, troubled times, very hard times. And then the second was the end of Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the knowledge of God. Um, how unsearchable are his paths and his ways beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? You know, who has given to him that, they should, that he should repay them? But uh, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, you can find resources about this and many other topics on our church website, www.catoctin.org. That's www.ketoctin.org. You can find out more about the work of Pastor Biggs as the regional home missionary of the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic at www.joiningtheharvest.org. 
If you found this episode to be useful, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. If you have questions that you would like us to answer or consider in a future episode, you can send those to us at shepherdsvoicepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we encourage you to join us for our next episode of The Shepherd's Voice.